Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest streaming and theatrical releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte. And today we have four movies for you. Thor, Love and Thunder, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, Fire Island, and Crush. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being at the highest rating. Consumer moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And Send It Back means... Life is too short for that mess. Indeed. Mm. I forgot how to say the intro. <laughs> Which is weird, because it hasn't been that long. No, it hasn't at all. Um, and obviously, what time did go by was agreed upon, um, as mm-hmm. eagle-eyed listeners might have realized. Because, of course, if you played our last episode backwards, which we mm-hmm. always suggest you do, you would have heard us saying, we will not actually be back in December, we will not come back for nine months, and then we'll come back with a new Thor movie. It was clear as day, um, yep. so I really couldn't understand so much outrage over, where are you? Why do you new episodes? Like, it was plain as day in the episode when you play it backwards, guys. What is I mean, happening? Maybe, I like, I'm, I know you didn't ask for notes, but maybe when I was saying that in the backwards version, when you, you kept saying Beelzebub, Beelzebub, Beelzebub over and over again, maybe they couldn't mm-hmm. hear me. I mean, honestly, like all my old training from my craft days of like, you know, when I was like a Wiccan in eighth grade, it all just came back to me Mm. and I got carried away. I got the chalice. I was really just kind of like feeling my fantasy. So I do apologize. That was probably on me. Um, But uh, but regardless, um, those of you who paid attention are not surprised to have us come back to you now in July 2022. Um, And so thank you for listening carefully. Welcome back to our show. Here we are. Uh, you know, it's been, uh, whatever kind of year it's been, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? We never got to stay our favorite movies of last year. Um, so I will just say that my number one movie of last year was The Power of the Dog. I was also Ooh. a big fan of Licorice Pizza and Red Rocket. Uh, Becca, did you have any favorites last year? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, I really liked Summer of Soul. Mm. Um, and I really loved Black Widow. I know I don't know ah. if that's a popular opinion, but um, I loved Black Widow. Oh, Mitchell's versus Machine that was also really good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And all, all movies list that movies. we reviewed on this on this show. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're just looking back through previous episodes right now. Aren't I am. You? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that was a movie. I did recently rewatch Dunk, um, Dune, oh. and. Um, <laughs> That was still fun. I re- I enjoyed that again. I thought you were abridging Dunkirk. It's Dunk. I was like, you're not here watching Dunkirk. No, clearly it's Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune. Dune, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was also a movie. Black Widow many times. Have you? And, you? and do you, each time you watch it, do you find something new to appreciate about it? I, uh, I think I just keep appreciating the same thing, which is this, like, well, the Ohio of it. And then all mm. of the, like, I don't know, family drama, what it's like to grow up and realize that your parents aren't who you think they are. And the comedy. The comedy. Mm. Florence Pugh is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Sure is. And 
And it's appropriate that we're talking about a, a, a Marvel film that you enjoyed last year, um, because as longtime listeners surely remember, uh, the film that first ignited you as a Marvel head was Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on this week's episode, we will be talking about the follow-up to Thor Ragnarok. Uh, but before we get to that, there was uh, there were two two Marvel films that came out mm-hmm. uh, between our last episode and this fully scheduled return in July. Uh, would you care to offer any thoughts on those two films, just so our, our listeners can know where mm. you stand with them? So Spider-Man, um, No Way Home. I felt was a little uh, a little forgettable. Really? I don't know why. It could have been wow. where I just kind of where I was mentally when I was watching it, but um, it's definitely worth the rewatch uh, for me. Or I need to rewatch it. Let's say let's say that. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange. On Wait, the other did you only hand. watch it one time? I did. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow. Yeah, I mean, I will say that surprises me. I, I thought that that was a, a truly great film. I thought the previous one, Homecoming, or wait, what was the middle one? What was it? The Jake Gyllenhaal one was forgettable. That one was like a trifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but No Way Home, I thought was, I mean, we had the Spider-Man reunion. That, that is nothing true. for you. I don't really remember the old Spider-Mans very well. Mm, remember? Right, right, that's true. Right, of course, yeah, that was before you Remember, time. Jason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned this. <laughs> but especially before there was like an MCU of it, um, mm-hmm. I should I should I should definitely rewatch. I mean, we we have um, the Green Goblin. Situ- oh, I know. I think I got really sad when when Aunt May died, mm-hmm. and then I shut off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun fact: never saw the three Spider Men. Uh. <laughs> Oops. Yes, and and spoiler about Aunt May, uh, but uh, I mean, come on, at this point. <laughs> yeah, you gotta know, you gotta know. Yes, that was, and they, I mean, Marissa Tomei had stayed too hot for too long, and it was it was becoming an issue. <laughs> they had to, they had to bump her off. <laughs> it was just like her her sexiness was like amplifying exponentially with every passing film. Like she had like her her like seventies sunglasses and like oh, high right. waist trousers. Every single movie were just getting just inflammatory. Like how how can we be expected to focus on anything else? So well, they realized they had worked themselves into a corner with this like budding romance with John Favreau, and that mm, was not mm, working right for anybody. Right. And then they just right. had one way out. <laughs> Right, and God forbid they just kill off John Favreau. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they he need, has that directing his, credit, so <laughs> they need his looks and charm uh, to get the <laughs> keep the franchise moving. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with Tony Stark dead, who else are we looking to? <laughs> Pepper Potts, baby, Pepper Potts. <laughs> uh, okay, so then the uh, the uh-huh. other Marvel film was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I, it, you know, mm. everyone has already said what needs to be said about it, which is <laughs> there was another multiverse movie <laughs> that was truly madness. Mm. Uh, I, which I actually didn't see until very recently, like a week ago. Oh, you finally saw all E E A O. Uh huh. Everything, everywhere, all at once, and. Yeah, everyone was right. Everyone who had already said that this was the movie, it it was just such a even having not seen it, it was so shockingly. Um, Doctor Strange was so shockingly uninspired. Um, mm. You call it the Marvel Madness. Yeah. That's like calling this podcast like the 
movie review of madness and then it's just this shit you know <laughs> people get disappointed they're expecting madness mm-hmm. yeah we and we're not that's not what we're here to give uh we're here to give we peace barely and have love. our Active listening sounds in order. No, no. I mean, we're the 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 ability to speak and communicate over Skype is is eluding me still. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are. Um, did you agree with those who felt that Multiverse of Madness did Wanda dirty? Oh, so dirty. Um, mm. what a, what a. I don't even. It's like, well, didn't they say that Sam Raimi had not seen WandaVision? I mean, it was. <laughs> How did Kevin was, Feige let this interested. happen? <laughs> you build an, a, a beautiful arc, a, a whole new turn, a, a whole new uh, way of, of of seeing what a demon is in the MCU. And then you just mm-hmm. turn that back to my kids. Like, <laughs> as a parent, um, I did see it like a YouTube um, criticism video that was just like a, a super cut of her being like, my kids, my kids, <laughs> but what about my kids? Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> Billy and Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did. It did seem like they almost, um, like Kevin Feige and 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 Marvel Co. Like didn't even know how good the thing they had with Wandavision, and didn't know it hit as hard as it did. Like since maybe since it was like their first series, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're just like, oh, who's gonna watch? We don't know. Um, Sam Raimi clearly wanted to make a movie about a um, a cosmic wizard fighting an evil witch. And that was the movie he was determined to make no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, boy, I, I wonder, I really, I wonder what Elizabeth Olsen like actually thinks about it. Like, I think oh. of course she, she was a good sport, of course. And she was, and people were like, oh my God, her and Sam Raimi are such a good match because like she gives you what he wants her to give. Like, and she gives it with like both barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. But it's just like after playing the the complexity of one division across the entire season of television and all the layers of that story, it's like she had to see that this was like, oh boy, <laughs> this is this is a big old step backwards. Sure, I and I mean I think that's like the the foundation of the the MCU is at least Kevin Feige and the the two other executive producers, right? Um, mm. I can't Victoria, think of their names at this point. Victoria Alonso, Alonso and, uh-huh. and Louis, Louis, Louis Desposito. Yes, there we go. <laughs> um, like there are there are whole jobs that are like uh, dedicated to making sure there's cons- consistency or that these things are well Continuity. thought out. And I don't know. They were I don't know what why they were like ah yeah, eh, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. Have you seen the yeah. other um, Marvel shows? Um, I am caught up on Ms. Marvel. Um, I did not watch. I watched like the first maybe two episodes of Moon Knight. And then I was like, all right, well, Oscar Isaac is like remaining clothed. So I'm going to go ahead and check out of this one. <laughs> uh, your favorite would be Latino actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've never seen yeah. Uh, no. Oh, did I watch? No, I watched. I think again with that one, I watched like two of them. Um, and yeah, Scott tends to watch the Marvel shows like as soon as they drop while while I'm asleep. Um, so, oh, oh. And, and and I never uh, get around to to watching them. And I'm you know what? I'm generally okay with that. But one thing that I keep hearing about uh, now more than ever is this idea of Marvel fatigue. Um, oh. 
that you know that we've reached moral fatigue the the critical reviews of t- today's first film thor Love and thunder have been pretty mixed mm-hmm. uh and there has been um yeah i'm just hearing this kind of this 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 cry from granted it's a cry coming prim- primarily from a uh, critics um mm-hmm. saying uncle uh enough please um but yeah everyone's everyone's saying that it might be reaching that uh, that breaking point do you think that's a genuine narrative or is that just like, you know, sort of just a, a false, a false narrative being put forth by entertainment writers because they need to have that <laughs> I think it is. Uh, uh, I think it's a, a false narrative. I, I think they're all so different and they're all, um, especially the TV shows, you know, giving new directors or, or uh, new to the Marvel Universe directors like a chance to and even you know, having Sam Raimi. I mean, he did the old Spider-Man, but it, getting like fresh takes in there uh, to tell these stories. And they all are stylistically a little bit different, tonally a little bit different. I think um, I like I don't know what is necessarily the Marvel about them that makes it um like tiring just is it that there is this sort of superhero or that there's references to other MCU characters. But, um, to me, they kind of stand out as individual, um, individual like pieces. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I would concur. I, I, I don't feel any particular Marvel fatigue, uh, from, I mean, like they, obviously there is a lot of Marvel to consume, but I mean, I'm somebody who watches like three to four Real Housewives a week, uh, mm, so I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not one to ask about like, oh, have you had too much of this good thing? Um, never, mm-hmm. <laughs> never, never. Are you into Dubai? Uh, no, it's terrible. Oh, it's um, the only one I, I watch. watch it. Oh, <laughs> are you liking it? I mean, I started watching it as a long con, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, which which Caroline is your favorite? Oh, neither. <laughs> Come on, are two Carolines and they're both. You're here for you're here for Ion and Ion only. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm here for um, uh, wow, no, I can't think of her name. Um, <laughs> Lisa. Yes, Lisa with an E. Um, yes. Totally. So I, this is why I don't get into Housewives because I'm like, oh, who's the good character? And then I'm just like, <laughs> one. <laughs> Am I my my math doesn't work? I'm I'm wasted. All those all they could throw all the terrible Carolines at me, and it's all wasted on me. Like, ugh. Oh, Lisa, she's so beautiful. Mean. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, I I, I feel um some some you know bittersweet feelings that that of all the housewives, this is the one that you are are, are starting off with. But I mean, it was supposed this, to be that's the whole joke where you guys all talk about housewives, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, has I, who's been watching Dubai? Can you believe the Carolines? And then everyone would be like, oh, you're watching the one nobody watches. And then I like I kind of whipped it when I told our friend Heidi, and I didn't I did it on text. I didn't. We had been we had been studying. I was like, which Caroline is from the UK, <laughs> so that we could like come into our our group friend conversations and be like, oh, housewives, that's too. Oh. <laughs> well, I appreciate the effort. Um, and this week, did you you at least got to meet Phaedra Parks uh, on the most recent episode? I'm not caught one? up. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Well. Uh, did you at least see uh, what Caroline Brooks said about what that other woman should do to her husband? Oh, my Ooh. God. Oh, my God. Caroline a, Brooks. 
there or, or Caroline Stanberry, I should say. Uh, there's a in this most recent episode, there's a very, very tense argument between Caroline Stanberry and the other women over whether or not she should wear um, the snowsuit provided at a special skiing event or her own snowsuit. Wait so, a minute. This you, is exactly why I don't watch Housewives. This is what happens. <laughs> we cannot. This is it's not what people came for. <laughs> it derails I mean, everything. It's what I came for. Uh, I am I am delighted. I and see I'm a coup to, coming, and I'm, I'm stopping it right now. I'm going to watch Dubai with renewed vigor. Uh, <laughs> now that I know this information. <laughs> now I got to remember it. But uh, again. But, but yes, but no. So I, I I don't really get fatigue about such things. Like literally every day, every episode of 90 Day Fiance is two hours long. Then I watch that every week. So uh, yeah. Wait, so what I, did you um, think of Doctor Strange? Did we did we get that? Um. um yeah, I mean, I was agreeing with your criticisms of it, uh, for okay. sure. And uh, and Everything Everywhere All at Once is my number one movie of the year so far still. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was definitely to Doctor Strange's uh, disadvantage that it came out at that time, um, around the same time as that other film. And, um, you know, I, I feel like by the end of the new Doctor Strange, I was appreciating the, I, w- I was like, okay, if I can just like suspend everything I know about Marvel, if I can drop literally all context and just look at this as a Sam Raimi movie, then like, okay, I can kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause it, it's, it's like, he has not made a lot of movies recently. I think this was actually his first one since Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, it's his first kind of like, horror movie which of course is his his trademark genre mm-hmm. um since drag me to hell which is one of the most like batshit movies ever made so um it was fun to see him kind of like get that going again and just to see him being so um just delightfully reckless with all the sacred cows of marvel um you know up up to however much kevin Feige was willing to let him um, mm-hmm. you know, like the scene with, you know, with like Wanda, like decimating that, that the panel of, of gods or judges mm-hmm. or whatever the hell that was. The like, Illuminati. Yes, that's right. The <laughs> Illuminati. Um, I mean, they're just these, there are these moments that are like definitely Sam Raimi going to the hilt. Um, but it was just, it was the wrong time to have Sam Raimi come in and, and do this. It just it was the wrong movie. Just, yeah, it was the wrong time. It was the wrong movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it was did a disservice to the brand. So, um, but which leads us to our first film and the question of whether, uh, it gets the MCU back on track. And that film is Thor love and thunder. Thor embarks on a journey. Unlike anything he's ever faced a quest for inner peace. However, his retirement gets interrupted by Gore, the God butcher, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods. Now, Rebecca. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. How many times have you mm-hmm. seen this film? Twice. Mm, and it came out when? <laughs> uh, less than a week ago. <laughs> and let me tell you why. Yeah. I will, let me tell you why. Okay. I've made this mistake twice now, I think, where a new movie's coming out that is not a 3D movie, and but I see the tickets and I say, oh, let's get the 3D one. And so we go <laughs> see it in 3D. And you kind of miss the whole movie because it looks all weird and blurry. Like, if I were to see Avatar when it comes out, that you see in 3D. I mean, the trailer for Avatar was the best visual part of Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, you Like, it was unbelievable how Avatar looks in 3D. 
But this one doesn't. You're just kind of like, what? It just, it's terrible. So then we went back and watched it in IMAX. Also, we needed to get hers and hers matching Thor Love and Thunder popcorn buckets because oh. we only got one the first night and then we had to get the second one uh, when yeah. we went back. Yeah, right, because you don't want to start fighting all the time over who gets oh to my use God. the bucket. Yeah, no, it's like we're trying to keep this relationship going. Right, you uh, know? Don't, don't, need, don't need bucket tension. Uh, I love that it's not even your first time making this 3D mistake. It's like you're, you're like a, you're like a, a kid who's just like, I want the large popcorn. And then you're like, oh, my tummy aches. Ooh, you know? <laughs> like, well, it always does. We need all that popcorn. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So the first time you watched the movie in 3D, um, were, how quickly did you realize that you had made a mistake? Uh, kind of off the bat. I, I think especially seeing it in IMAX after the, the, the opening scene where you see Gore, the God butcher played by yeah. Christian Bale sort of on this dry cracked desert wasteland. Um, it just like the focus doesn't work because it's made for this, like, you know, it's kind of doubled up for the 3d glasses, but it isn't like enough to make it look 3d and it just looks kind of blurry. Um, and you have to keep your, your head like straight, straight ahead or else it doesn't mm. really work. And, uh, so yeah, so right away I was like, Oh, because again, after seeing the Avatar uh, trailer, you're like, "Oh, that's what this is. That's what they." Right. Okay, I see. I see what it's like. Right, exactly. Where I'm like, you're, you're like, I'm watching his daughter die and doing nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like, jump out at me one last time or something. <laughs> did you? On. So you saw this in LA, I assume. I did. Um, did you see it in a theater that had any kind of audience reaction? Um, I think the audience, re- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it opening weekend um, on an IMAX screen mm-hmm. at the Westfield in Century City, and uh, yeah, the audience was, uh, yeah, full house. Everybody was very enthusiastic. Um, you know, everyone's laughing at all the laugh points and and clapping for the mid credit scene reveal and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, how about was was your audience uh, receptive? You know, this is, this is actually when I should have known that 3D was the wrong way to go because we get into the theater and like this is a theater that we've only been to a handful of times um, because of COVID. But it's always the theater itself kind of a desolate desert wasteland and that mm. it's like always super dead. And we show up and it's like, you know, Thursday at 7 p.m. and the parking lot is packed and we see people wearing like, you know, Marvel shirts and mm. everyone in the theater is kind of like dressed up. And then we go into the theater, sit down, we're the only people there. And I was like, are we in the wrong theater? And oh, then no. it turns out that there were, like, just a lot fewer people. There were more people when we went on Sunday to go see it in IMAX. I think everyone had packed the IMAX theater the first night. Everyone else was hip to the game and said, like, this ain't no 3D movie. Uh, I'm not going to pay extra for not being able to see it right. But anyway, there were a handful of people and they all laughed and then they cheered and, and it was it was great, but it was definitely a little bit lesser than because everyone else is much smarter than I am. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sure they all made that mistake once too. And now you made the mistake. And you mean they all made it twice. And then the third time they learned. <laughs> you know, it's really once it gets to the fourth time that it gets <laughs> so, as long as you as long as you cut your losses now i think i think you can still um come out of this unscathed but um but I'm well, I'm that... 3d versions of good luck to you leo grant <laughs> this thing there's your homemade 3d glasses on trying to watch it and you're uh, like, like yeah you're like do the blow job you know whatever <laughs> um, yeah yeah um yeah i i don't even know if there's a 3d option at the theater we saw it at 
Um, because again, it's not made for 3D. Uh, yeah, it was. Is that called up converting? Right when they take like a non 3D <laughs> movie and they they just like trace it in blue ink and they're just like it's 3D. And then yeah, yeah. And then you're like sitting there with the glasses on, like oh, I don't see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's like when you go into like a like a like a cheap Ohio uh, carnival ride and it's just like that's just black light. <laughs> paint <laughs> on a black wall <laughs> not 3d right it was like oh it's like a you know earthquake simulator ride there's like some carny just kind of like you know lazily like shoving the side of a barrel you're sitting in yeah <laughs> um very that very that okay so once you did get to see the film mm. uh properly uh talk to me uh how how did your how was how was your reunion um, with the mm-hmm. Tychoverse, uh, mm-hmm. all these years after the film that changed your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have seen Thor Ragnarok many times since mm-hmm. then. Um, and, you know, one of our go-to uh, little ditties around the house is the um, It's My Birthday! Um, <laughs> wonderful track from from uh, um, the spaceship scene when mm-hmm. they steal Grandmaster's spaceship. Anyway, all that to say, um, <laughs> I enjoyed the growth. I enjoyed this um, in a way that you know, it made me very sad, um, which I, I should have expected, I guess, coming from a Taika Waititi film, but I did not expect coming. Um, I didn't see what was I didn't see what was going to happen. I was surprised along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, the comedy was still there. I really enjoyed seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Nebula is like not having it anymore. And I love mm. that. I just want to <laughs> see more of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably one of my favorite parts yeah. is they're just oh, yeah. like yelling. Through, she's like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> she just pulls out a gun <laughs> to shoot those goats. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love, I love that character. You know, it's very, Thor is very Emperor's New Groove, which is my, one of my favorite movies. Just uh-huh. like. Not really oh getting how much he ruins things or how much he's responsible for and, like, thinking he's so great and everybody loves him. Uh-huh. Um, and I really appreciate uh, his friendship with, with Korg, um, standout character from the first. And, you know, also um, seeing all the all the hits from the last one, Valkyrie. Mm. Um, and um, I can't think of the, the bug with the scissors. Um, Meek? Meek. Oh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, yeah, I thought it was its own. I saw, I saw a criticism that was comparing, um, Gore, the God Butcher with mm. Grandmaster, which is, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Soul had, had identified that, it, you know, it's more of like a Grandmaster to Zeus comparison that makes a lot yeah, more sense. Yeah, I, I would concur. <laughs> I would concur. Gore, the God Butcher, that was... Because Grandmaster was not a Grandmaster was not like a villain. I mean, he did sort of like keep him right. Um, but I mean, like Hela was the primary antagonist right. in right, in, exactly. in Ragnarok. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw um, one review that I saw said, "I don't think Christian Bale set out to undermine the rest of the movie by giving a good performance." Ooh. <laughs> 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 like he just knows no way other than 200 percent commitment to uh yeah. to the to the utmost intensity of every second and it was uh so good. Yeah. yeah 
But that's uh-huh. the that's the tension. It it, it requires. I mean, there's parts of the movie that feel, um, that feels like you're in the moment. You know, these things aren't aren't planned. They're they're going to chase. You know, this objective and that, and everything's rushed. And conversations happen when they happen, and then one's prepared with what to say. And I I love that sort of, um, frenetic pace of the rest of the movie. And then you kind of get to these other like grounding moments with Christian Bale of just like he's been waiting millennia to, you know have these conversations with these gods and i think the balance works out really well tell me yeah yeah what are your thoughts i uh, I saw also there was some interview someone did with christian bale for this movie where they're like so you know now that you've joined the mcu and he cut them off and said i haven't joined shit (laughs) 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 he's not doing a marissa tomei no old chrissy b is not here for it Mm. um but uh but yes so um, I also, I mean, I think all I wanted from it, this movie, was for it to be funny like Ragnarok. And it was funny like Ragnarok. Um, I think that there was just that usual thing of, like, the, you know, diminishing returns in the sense of, like, okay, well, yeah, it's still funny. It's not surprising the way Ragnarok was because we already right. have had Ragnarok. And so now, like, okay, here's the same the same thing kind of second time through. Um, and it's still very like amusing and enjoyable and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't it just doesn't hit the same way uh, because you already know that's how it's going to be. I don't think that he necessarily improved upon Ragnarok or found like an even fresher take on any of this stuff. Um, so uh, you know, so there was all that. Uh, I of course enjoyed the goats. Uh, by far my favorite. <laughs> by far, I just love like the, the sound effect of like dead. Just like, you hear like the 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 hint to the trace of the screaming and, and as they like you know soar across the sky. This um, is just like the you way and the chicken from Moana. It's just like oh god, you're right. No, I didn't even make that connection. Uh, I I just love I just love those I just love those goofy crazy ass creatures. Uh, I guess I just see myself in them. But um, I my favorite bit far and away was the bit with his axe uh the way his axe would just creep into oh screen. my god <laughs> <laughs> i mean i never got tired of that no, i never got no. tired of that every time i was just laid me out every time it happened he's talking um, to and he's like scratching it under its still chin yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah good. that was great i mean like chris hemsworth shows his butt you know we also he, he, he gives us this butt and still the comedy of having his like r.i.p loki tramp stamp <laughs> um you know like uh, you know the way russell crowe holds his little skirt when he like tiptoes down the mm-hmm. stairs to go confront mm-hmm. him oh he's so many great things um daryl he... from the uh from the one shots uh yeah. those little series where he's thor's roommate <laughs> oh god yeah I mean, the funny thing is how long we've been talking about the movie and not even mentioned Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which could be, you know, I wonder, you know, what's, what's up with that? Um, so as I'm sure, you know, you've read about as well, you know, there's a very kind of well-documented history of Natalie Portman's falling out with the MCU um, uh, over Thor The Dark World, kind of unceremoniously firing uh, Patty Jenkins as the director um, Natalie Portman, uh, of course, has for a long time been very outspoken about fighting for female directors to, um, you know, have parity with the opportunities given to male directors, especially on big studio films. Um, and I guess Marvel just kind of dumped Patty without saying anything to her about it. And um, and as a result, 
Natalie Portman literally, when they came, when the time came to do reshoots on Dark World, she just didn't even show up. She just literally was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I, Scott was telling me that I guess Elsa Pataki, Chris Hemsworth's wife, like was brought in to like be the stand-in for all the reshoots mm, because mm. Alec Corbin just wouldn't even come in. Um, Elsa Pataki, his wife also plays the, uh, the wolf lady that he makes out with mm. on top of the lady wolf in this movie. <laughs> that, that lucky gal. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, and then Taika Waititi was enough to entice Natalie Portman to return to the role of Dr. Jane Fonda slash Jodie Foster slash Jane Foster. Hilarious. Um, and you know, it, it is an interesting angle out of all the out of all the the stories we can tell about Jane um, at this point. The fact that they decided to go stage four cancer is a choice, um, certainly. Uh, not what you would expect from um, Taika Waititi's second Thor film. Um, and, uh, you know, but it, it, it's, you know, seeing her there having fun is great. I really never, ever, ever, ever got used to that blonde wig. No, me um, neither. No. never, Not for a mm-hmm. second. It, 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 it wore her. She did not wear it. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. I don't I do. I don't know if that was meant. Like, I wish they made a joke about it, uh, you know, because it felt like it just seemed like it was meant to be this like this visual gag. Right. Of, like her being overwhelmed like a cosplay by this to, yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, they just like acted like, oh, no, like, look how badass she looks. Look at her sculpted right. arms. Look at her like flawless skin. Look at this like crazy blonde, you know, fucking pile of hair in her head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very, very strange. Very strange choices. Um, Speaking of strange, Doctor Strange is a wig in Multiverse of Madness is also terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I feel like, yeah, they can never. I mean, Stephen Strange always looks all crazy. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, so the, the Natalie Portman, it was, of course, it's good to see her come back into the fold. And it's always a pleasure to see her. Um, and but I just I guess I didn't really. The arc of it was not also what I thought it was going to be, um, mm. you know, in terms of where we start versus where we end. Like, I was seeing all this stuff before the movie where it's like, oh, she's the new Thor. She's taking over as Thor. And I'm like, oh, I thought in the sense that, like, Anthony Mackie's taking over as Captain America. She was taking mm-hmm. over as Thor. And then by the end, I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's not the case. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was just a little the whole the whole thing felt a little like, OK, Take away TD is trying to balance like making the movie he wants to make with also like trying to execute this this kind of like world building slash story character kind of um, target goal of like okay we need to bring back Jane and do like a contained finite film about Jane um, that kind of like resolves that once and for all um, because on <laughs> I don't know if you started listening to that Nicole Byer podcast yet that we told that I told you about oh uh, no no I haven't. Uh, where she is going through the MCU movie by movie along with Lauren Lapkus and um, and evaluating them as people who have no context for these films. But the thing that they were by far the most incensed about when they were reviewing, I believe it must have been the first Avengers, um, which I think I told you they they don't like it when all the characters get together. That's the first thing they're just like, oh, that's so wild. Like, There's too many. I, I don't like when they all get together like this. Um, but, uh, but they were just like the fact that Thor had the nerve to come back to earth and not even call Jane. <laughs> um, they were very <laughs> upset about that. Very well, now upset. we know why though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we got the, we got the backstory. We got the backstory. We got the, 
the scene where she's like, I was up all night. And he was like, I was up all night cleaning. It was two dishes. Um, <laughs> still great, great, great humor. Mm-hmm. Great humor, great humor. Chris Hemsworth remains like oh. just, I mean, it just so the, the, the comic timing is it's, it's infuriating. That so, <laughs> so, so beautiful and so gifted with comic timing. Uh, I mean, I always go back to, to Ghostbusters, the first mm-hmm. film where we truly uh, witnessed the, his ability to um, to steal comedy from like four of the funniest women ever born. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so this was, uh, you know, it's a fun time. Uh, and I don't know. If there's a whole lot more, I would say for it. Um, any any closing thoughts on this one, or do you want to give your rating? Um, I am going to give it a binge. It. I think it's a, it's a, it's essential. Um, and yeah, I you you can't capture lightning twice. What you know, Ragnarok was the the movie that changed my opinion on the Marvel movies. To have that happen again would be. Um, just something I shouldn't expect, but this exactly what you said, um, continue to carry the torch of, around humor, um, and, and also, um, sweetness and, you know, a really relatable, uh, villain and, um, binge it. Don't see it in 3d though. <laughs> and we should also know that there is just enough queerness in this film that it was banned from released in a number of countries around the world. Mm-hmm, so. Love that. Love that. Um, I'm gonna give this one. Um, I'm gonna give it like a consume plus. Oh, great. Uh, because <laughs> I forgot. Forgot why I took eight months off. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, just because, yeah, you know, like it, it was. It was, yeah, it was funny enough. Um, you know, I think there were components that didn't necessarily coalesce as well as the as the last one. Um, but it's still very funny, and you know, and just like it's. Yeah, I mean, it's a breath of fresh. It's a breeze. It's a good time. Uh, so, consume plus. Um, Thor: Love and Thunder is in theaters now, and it's rated PG thirteen. Our second movie is Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Retired widow Nancy Strokes hires a good-looking young sex worker named Leo Grand in the hope of enjoying a night of pleasure and self-discovery after an unfulfilling married life. Jason. <laughs> yeah, this one's all you, bud. I'm just going to sit this uh, one out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, this one, I believe, premiered at Sundance this year. I saw reviews start to, uh, to come out for it pretty quickly. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the shit out of that movie. And uh, and then it ended up just getting <laughs> dumped on Hulu, as, uh, as so many uh, films do now. And I'm like, oh, that makes it really easy. It's great. It's great. Um, I will say I did not expect it to be as stagey as it is, um, mm, especially mm-hmm, because mm. once I looked at the, I was like, OK, oh, it must be based on a play. And I look and it is not based on a play. Oh, huh. Isn't that crazy? That is <laughs> that is crazy. It literally takes place in two different rooms. Ninety. 90- yeah. Five percent of it is in one room, and then five percent in another. That's it. exactly, yeah. It is. I was very. I think once once the film started, and I began to realize um, because it kind of like you know clears its throat and it, <laughs> and it like presents itself as like get ready, this is gonna be a two hander. Um, you know, and by which I mean two people in a room, not 
something else. Um, <laughs> that I, was on the list. <laughs> that was on your list. Uh, she did not get to it. Not get to it. Um, so, but yeah, so at first I started to feel, I think, a sense of dread when I realized that it was going to be like a My Dinner with Andre um, in bed situation. Um, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's fine. It's Emma Thompson. I'm in good hands. Um, and I was. <laughs> it was also on the list. <laughs> Guys, Nancy, her character has a list of things that she would like to do with her sex worker, Leo, which is the list that Rebecca is referring to. Sorry. And it's a list that they circle back to a number of times over the course of the film without without getting to much of it, frankly. Um, but uh, or at least not that we're, see- oh, we're shown. But um, but yeah, so we have here essentially a film play um, that somehow was not a play. Um, but I would say that it has all the all the all the strength of a, of a of a play of a really just you know well acted well written uh, play. You know we have this sort of a uh, you know sort of the, this dual character study of these two people who are strangers. Um, we uh, we see them meet for the first time in this film, and then we see them have a, a first session, and then uh, maybe th- three additional meetings slash sessions after that. And uh, and there's really only one other character who speaks in the entire in the entire film. Um, so we're really just getting to know Nancy and Leo as they get to know each other. And uh, and I would say that uh, I was I was engaged um, by their conversation the whole time. I think that uh, Emma Thompson, of course, goes without saying, is one of the great actors uh, of of our time, and she absolutely gives a very uh, you know, very candid, very giving, very just like, you know, bare performance. Uh, she she understands her character very well. Um, she really commits to the good and the bad uh, of this woman. And, uh, the, you know, in terms of the sort of the elements of her that are uh, sympathetic uh, without ever making you it's not about feeling bad for her. I think that's that's a great thing about her performance is that oh. you never feel her doing any self pity for her, for her, for her, you know, this, she, she's not like, Oh, feel bad for Nancy. You know, like that's, you know, like she's, she's very, um, she's very much in touch with the characters, like neurosis and her obliviousness and, um, and her, you know, however well-meaning she is, how harmful that can be. Um, so I think, you know, Emma Thompson, it does not like try to wink at the audience to be like, oh, do you still like me? You know, like that, that, that never happens in this performance. No, and 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 for a good part of the time, you don't. <laughs> no, um, and uh, and then the actor who plays Leo Grand is, uh, you know, he he gets to play sort of a different arc where his name is Daryl McCormick, and um, and you know he he's more the the slow reveal um, of the film because you know we know a lot more about Nancy right off the top because she kind of just like like you know like word vomits all over him about like her situation. Because she's so nervous about what she's trying to do um, to, you know, hire the sex worker to um, have this experience that she's never had. You know, she's never had an orgasm in her life. And, um, you know, and she is curious about her own sexuality now that she is um, a widow. And uh, whereas Leo, um, you know, he, he we can see him kind of doing this dance with her um, as the film goes on where he is sort of doing what, you know, what sex workers do, which is to, you know, to try to create a mystique, to try to create a fantasy, to try to 
um, you know, just like he be like, well, there is no Leo Grand, you know, like I am whoever you want me to be, um, you know, but but she uh, in in her sort of irritating way is 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 not um, content to 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 let that sit. Um, and so we kind of have this tug of war between the two of them uh, where she continually kind of pushes against his boundaries um, and uh, uh, while attempting in, in, in her mind, attempting to just forge a more authentic human connection, but not understanding that that is not something that he is um, wanting to have happen, that he's going to allow. That's not what he does for his job. It puts it could put him in danger. Um, it is not, uh, you know, it's a place where emotionally he has to keep himself safe during these, uh, these situations. And, uh, so yeah, so there's there's um you know we have connection between them we have tension between them, um, and you know things definitely come to a head. Uh, <laughs> also, on um, also on the list, uh, a couple in a couple different ways. Um, so, but yeah, I just thought it was a really beautifully executed character study. Um, I think both actors are tremendous. Uh, I think it's a great exploration of the subject matter. Um, you know, it reminded me of um, of the film The Sessions. Um, with John Hawks and Helen Hunt. I don't know if you saw mm. that one. I don't think so. Um, it was a movie. In that movie, Helen Hunt played uh, a sexual surrogate, um, and John Hawks uh, played a character who was a paraplegic, and um, and so he began to work with a sex surrogate um, because he, you know, was uh, not able to sort of have sort of like a, a functional adult sex life or found it to be very you know difficult to, to be able to meet people who would be able to have sex with him. And so he begins working with a sexual surrogate so that he can kind of like, you know, kind of as a therapeutic thing. And, um, and that is similarly, I feel like what is what we're seeing in this movie is, um, you know, is this woman who has lived, um, you know, who's gone decade after decade after decade um, of sort of not being in touch with her own sexuality, with her own sense of, of pleasure or desirability, um, you know, wanting to just pay a man to 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 give that to her, but then also kind of not having the courage of her conviction to just let that be that, you know, of wanting to make it more than that um, or of wanting to make it be under her terms or under her control, um, you know, going beyond the boundaries of the sort of sex worker client relationship. So. But uh, but what did you think of this one? Um, my first note is I feel like it could have been a short. Mm. I think um, the the journey that they go on is like actually like pretty pretty tight. Um, it's you know from awkward and judgmental to n- not as much um, on on um, on Nancy's character and then sort of like you know being forced through um, manipulation to open up on the Leo Grand character. Um, and I think we, it's just kind of like a, a repeating of the same sort of like pushing on that same tension of her being like really unbearable and him being, you know, really accommodating for most of the time. And then kind of at the end it pushes um, to change the dynamic a little bit. And I think that could have been a lot shorter. Um, and then two, I would say, I love like a stagey one location, you know, two actors dialogue heavy mm-hmm. uh, movie. But I felt like it looked like it was made for Hulu. Mm. 
I wish it. I I wish it had been. We have recently seen um, the worst person in the world. Oh. And I wish it had a little touch of that kind of you know misty mm-hmm. European you know cinematic cinematic to it. Um, yeah. And I think those two things would have would have made it um, a lot more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I cannot again hear her sort of a, go through this again have another meeting with him be awkward but be also really really impossible and um judgmental of herself and others just uh, kind of over and over and over again and also wasn't that great to look at so um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it was hard for me yeah also on the list Um, (laughs) yeah i mean i I really uh, think that like the the um handsomeness of uh the act she plays leo grand Mm -hmm goes a long way in making you <laughs> keep watching this movie. Yeah, he's really he's sort of like uh if you know if if Rami Malek was like a uh like a heartthrob. Mm, uh, mm. uh just yeah really very very handsome actor. Um and yeah and very uh a very impactful actor. Um I mean like Emma Thompson to to go sort of toe to toe with her for for literally every second of the running time of the movie. Um, you know, one of the most formidable actors, um, you know, certainly in England, if not the world, um, you know, and then to be the one who has to sort of like essentially be the one in control, you know, of these scenes trying to, you know, sort of par, um, you know, and, and, you know, with her um, as she kind of like keeps stepping over boundaries or, you know, being inappropriate. I could totally see the point around the sort of the repetitiveness of the um, of the cycle of, of the two of them, the sort of awkwardness, but I guess I felt like each time they, it went deeper, <laughs> if you will. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it was not the exact same conversation over and over again. Um, you know, and I think that it was, yeah, I, I felt like each time, you know, it would just kind of like go, um, through additional layers. Everything sounds dirty. Um, and, um, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, you know, sort of just get uh, deeper truths about each of them um, in a way that was stagey, <laughs> but I found, um, you know, dramatically effective. And and I think that Emma Thompson, as an actor, has the ability to to sell all of those scenes um, convincingly um, and not make it seem like this sort of very, um, you know, just kind of like grating one note thing. But maybe that was just me because I love her. <laughs> it sounds like maybe for you it could have been a bit more of a grating one note thing, watching her kind of um I know that um Ingu uh also um uh when I mentioned this movie to her the other day, um she threw her head back and let out a scream um of uh, of uh, of, also on on the <laughs> of um of pure unbridled rage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's extra. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so. I definitely, I think I stopped the movie twice to your point earlier and said to soul, could you imagine if this was your first major role and you're this like intimate with, and yeah, sharing all of this dialogue with Emma Thompson only like what a crazy first, yeah. um, like major motion picture role. Mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. wonderful but like that must have been so intimidating yeah yeah i mean i i i can't imagine i can't imagine and he uh rises to the occasion oh there i go again and, okay uh, wrap it up all right all right all right 
Um, but I paid for a full hour. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, I, to me, it was effective to me. I think, um, you know, there are, of course, there are like fewer and fewer films made about human sexuality every passing year. Um, you know, it seems like, Except um, the next two on this list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yes, which, which are, but yes, but I guess, you know, not as much about sex itself as this mm. one is. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's one thing entirely to, to make a story about um, sexual identity, sexual orientation, but a movie actually about sex is, is rare. It's increasingly rare, let alone a movie about a woman of certain age um, embracing sex. And um, I do feel like any movie that works to sort of confront the kind of increasingly puritanical cultural approach to um, to, to sex and, and repression, especially uh, certainly in the film front. Obviously, you know, on TV we have, you know, you'll have you'll always have your um, you know your euphorias and, and and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I just have to give it credit for being a movie about like that struggle to um, to become less inhibited and to connect in a, you know, more authentic way, um, you know, with a person's sexuality and also to paint a, a positive picture of a sex worker. Um, and, you know, to show this kind of, that a person, a sex worker could be somebody who look kind of similarly with the sessions is, is, is a therapeutic worker, um, you know, who is, can be brought in for any number of reasons. Um, so yeah, to me, to me, I'm a fan um this one i'm actually giving a binge it oh and i'm giving it a send it back (laughs) so sorry it's uh (laughs) streaming on hulu now and it is rated r our third movie this week is fire island a group of queer best friends gather in the fire island pines for their annual week of love and laughter but when a sudden change of events jeopardizes their summer in gay paradise their bonds as a chosen family are pushed to the limit I saw this, I think, right when it came out on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I was very much looking forward to it as a fan of the Las Culturistas podcast. Of course. Um, and the comedian Joel Kim Booster. And, and what Taylor I did Swift. not know, and <laughs> um, I want to sing the songs, but I don't think I can do that. Um, <laughs> uh I didn't know it was going to be uh, a take on Pride and Prejudice. Oh yes. yes did you know? Did was. you know that going into it? I did. Yes. Well, that to be a delightful surprise, especially delightful. In my house. I think that's um, Soul's favorite movie. No, um, really. Yeah. Which, which so, version? Oh, good question. I ooh, maybe I'm maybe I. I want to say the Your nightly, Your nightly, but yeah. it might not be. That yeah, might be sir. my favorite version. <laughs> my favorite version is Brenda Jones's diary. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, and, and I think that really kind of, um, it kind of, I don't know. It, I think it helped the film. Um, it was this, you know, contrary to good luck to you, Leo Grand was beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the story was like, yeah, it was a really good vehicle for telling this um, tale of subcultures and hierarchy within gay culture, which um, I'd love to hear more from you about. But um, but I think that, you know, it was a lot of kind of first time movie 
performances that may have seemed that way. Uh, <laughs> a little rushed at times, a little, a little awkward at times, but at the end of the day, delightful. Mm-hmm. Tell me, mm-hmm. does this sort of um, judgmental gay culture, is this something that resonates with you? Um, yeah, and I, I will, at the top of this, I will say that I have not been to Fire Island. Um, I have not. Oh, they won't even let you on. (laughs) I have not been to Provincetown. Um, you know, I only know, um, the West Coast enclaves, uh, for the homos, not the East Coast ones. Um, so, but yeah, so when Scott and I started to watch this movie, um, right off the bat, uh, the scene where they are all on the ferry ride over to Fire Island and all the guys are taking their shirts off. And there's like a line about like, ooh, body positivity has gotten out of control or whatever. Um, Scott almost rage quit the movie right then and there. Oh, he wow. was like, he was like, these are all hot people. These are all mm. hot people, all with hot bodies. This movie is a lie. Um and this is something that uh, sort of has been a, re- a refrain, an ongoing refrain sort of in, in certain discourse about the film is that the film tries to position Joel Kim Booster as this sort of undesirable um, outsider uh, when Joel Kim Booster is like more shredded than anyone um, and is certainly rules over most of West Hollywood um, with his uh, – with his uh, perfect physique. Um, and so there's been, there's definitely been a sense of like, well, this is, I don't really buy this narrative of these guys, like not being the hot guys. Uh, Matt Rogers, for instance, um, I guess one thing is if it's a narrative that's prim- uh, primarily, of course, about the experiences of, of, of Asian men in the gay community. Um, but then you have Matt Rogers there who kind of throws that whole thing off. Um, Sorry, and- just want to ask a quick question clarifying question i Mm -hmm. i interpreted um like them being judged for not being rich Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not so much because they weren't hot but because they were poor quote i'm using air quotes on poor too but which Mm -hmm. they also admit in the film that it's like i'm not that poor but also not as rich as these other doctors and um, yeah, to, to me, to me, that was kind of more specifically about the one house of people, um, you know, the one super rich house um, mm-hmm. and and the Mr. Darcy character who we meet there, uh, played by Conor Akamura. But no, I mean, like all of the press about this movie, and I mean, all of the press has been about how this is about the experience of, of Asian men in the gay community, mm-hmm. um, you know, feeling other feeling like outsiders feeling like either fetish objects or, or, you know, or somebody who is, you know, like the, the classic uh, grinder cliche of no fats, no femmes, no Asians. Um, you know, these are all very real things. Um, I think there are just some who feel that Joel Kim Booster is some of the, perhaps a, a flawed vessel to deliver that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, whereas Bowen Yang um, is, you know, is, is perfection uh, in this film, I thought, uh, you know, it's a great and of course, his natural chemistry with Joel and with Matt uh, is, is, is a, you know, a huge boom to the film because they are all friends and have been friends for many years and have a very natural, you know, um, chemistry with one another and affinity for one another. Um, you know, so that makes it fun to watch. Um, I think that for me, the the far and away greatest scene of this film, tying back to our conversation about Spider-Man is the Marissa Tomei game scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, I'm like, I want more of this. I just want more, just, you know, more just like, just goofy pop culture riffing, um, you know, between these characters. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I found that, and I, and I, I know also that this was a movie that, um, that Joel wrote, and that then, you know, he was paired with Andrew on, uh, who's filmed Driveways we loved very much on this show. Um, and then Fox Searchlight came on board. And I know they, they had a lot of notes. Um, Scott was kind of chafing against a lot of the uh, kind of overly described, um, like, oh, let's explain to the straights what we're talking about to make sure mm. this doesn't go over their heads stuff. Um, Scott was very annoyed by all of that. And I understand that that was sort of like, you know, being a studio and being like, okay, you can't make this like we have, everyone has to be able to watch this and enjoy and understand it. It can't be, um, you know, too inside baseball also on the list. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a trade off. I think like you could have that same film without all that explanation, but then it becomes like queer indie film, you know, it's, um, there has to be that bridge. Unfortunately, yeah. I think still. Right, right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, I to me, this movie is, you know, it was cute. Um, I of course enjoy seeing Margaret Cho. Uh, it was a role that apparently was actually written for uh, uh, as a male character, and then at the last minute, um, I think they had an actor who dropped out, and then she had been asking if there was a way she could be a part of it, and they were really no. like the character a female. Um, and, um, and suddenly we have Margaret Cho in the film. Um, you know, there are parts of it that were funny. There are definitely, you know, jokes that landed well for me. Um, I think Andrew Ahn's direction meets Joel's screenplay more than halfway. Mm, Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, because Andrew Ahn is just, there's such an elegance, um, to his direction. Um, and Mm -hmm. this kind of poise and this control, um, so and I think that that really, um, yeah, that helps a lot. I mean, his his eye for you know for for visuals for capturing these different moments of natural beauty around the island, um, different kind of like capturing those rhythms of the day um, as these characters kind of go from you know waking up hungover to you know partying you know to hanging out, recovering all afternoon, then going and partying all night and sunset sunrise, all these moments that you know that his camera captures. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's a better movie than, than the one that it actually is kind of in the service of at times. Hmm. Yeah, um, I agree. But I think at the end of the day that it makes it, um, you know, it's a summer film. It makes you feel like you want to be there. You want to be on vacation with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is that other story, right. About, um, class and these sort of like, um, romances, summer flings. But as far as it being like, do you want to go on vacation to a house for a week with your friends? Um, it definitely gives you that, that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, big, big passion tower energy. Um, and, uh, and, uh, uh, it, it did, it also gives me that kind of that intoxicating feeling that comes with just like, Partying with a bunch of gay dudes, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like you, you, I think it, it, you know, does a good job of uh, of giving of giving that, um, which again speaks, I think, to Andrew Ahn's, um direction. So, but um, but yeah, and uh, you know, I thought some of the the dialogue scenes worked pretty well. I thought sort of the climactic confrontation between Joel and Bowen's characters over sort of like the different 
um, opportunities afforded each of them because of their appearance and their attractiveness um, was a, a great scene. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's cute. <laughs> my, 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 <laughs> capsule of you. my capsule review of Fire Island is that it's cute. Um, but you know, how did you feel? I know that there was some, uh, well, there was a, there was some outrage, uh, about, um, its depiction of, of lesbians or non-depiction of lesbians, such as it was. Um, and somebody, somebody, I believe a writer in New York magazine sent a tweet that went over very poorly. Oh, the Bechdel test thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then she, and then they, the, the and Bechdel then Bechdel, yeah. yes, <laughs> came back and, back and, was like, and said like, update. oh, they're. Yeah, so there's a there's a film where two characters who, regardless of gender, um, talk about their favorite Joyce Carol Oates story and automatically passes a, <laughs> a Bechdel test. I uh, mean, as long as there, you know, continues to be space for these different stories, I think that that's we can't we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm, right. Andrew on could never <laughs> <laughs> also then work in another lesbian story. Um, <laughs> we have the next movie to t- discuss that, so uh, that I didn't find that to be. Um, a problem. Yeah. I uh, thought it was cute as well. I would say binge it. I think it is part of, um, you know, we hold uh, our own to a high, such a high standard. Yeah. Um, and true. by our own, I mean those unwelcome in the gay community. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, the people who are not invited to the rich house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but I think it's delightful, and I'm I'm so glad it exists. I'm gonna say binge it. All right, I will give it a consume. Uh, it's streaming Fire Island is streaming on Hulu, and rated R. Our last movie this week is Crush. When a young artist is forced to join her high school track team, she uses it as a chance to pursue the girl for whom she's been harboring a crush. But she finds herself falling for an unexpected teammate and discovering what real love feels like. All in the last week of school. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I feel about high school movies. I do. I do. And you know how I usually feel about them. Um, But when I tell you this movie felt like a punishment, uh, felt like a punishment personally attacking me um, for all the time that we took off, even though, as discussed, we told everybody we were doing it. This movie felt like it was created to make me never watch a coming-of-age movie again. Wow. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, I hated this I mean, movie. I mean, I, I just want to say... On the high school movie thing, there's a new twist to my relationship with with it. Mm-hmm. Is that um, now everyone in high school dresses like we dressed when we were in high school? So I don't know how to process it. <laughs> now it feels <laughs> relatable, uh, but I just keep getting older. I don't know what's going on. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very surprised at your reaction to this. Tell me. Tell me more. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think that kind of like right off the bat, um, I felt like it was trying too hard um, to be sort of like visually quirky um, with sort of like the, the paintbrush motif that kept doing. Um, I just felt like the, the, the you know, the, the energy of it right off the bat was like, OK, already I'm going to need this movie to calm down. Um, it is coming in at too high of a pitch. 
and it is not backing that up with any kind of actual wit or humor or writing or acting that justifies any of it. Um, like this movie had so many failed attempts at humor. Like, I don't know if I even cracked a smile for the entire movie with the exception of the reference to Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie being someone's phone screen. <laughs> um, it was, it would just, it just failed. It failed. It was not funny. Uh, it, and it reminded me of course of like, so a million other, cause it follows the blueprint to a T so I'm like, OK, like I can write this movie in my sleep. Like I know exactly what's going to happen at every turn. Um, and it didn't do anything with any of that. And it did not make it enjoyable. Like the, the, the acting was not particularly charismatic. The lead actor, Rowan Blanchard, I found wholly uncharismatic, very unfunny. Um, I, so I did not enjoy her performance. She did not, you know, give me a protagonist I wanted to root for or follow on this journey. I just felt like the movie, it was just like it was doing too much. At every turn, it was just like, and, mm. and it didn't have, it didn't have anything to back it up. Like it was really like being like, oh, we're gonna like take swings and we're gonna like, you know, be a little bit more adult with some of these choices and and we're gonna have these characters be like really confident and just kind of like we're gonna have every character be queer and we're gonna, you know, like it. But it just did, it had no self awareness. It had no chill. Um, and again, like, and like, we've always said this about comedies, like we judge them by whether or not they're funny. It was not funny. It was not funny. Uh, and in terms of like, you know, the queer representation, like I felt, you know, upset that this, because of course, like, as we all know, like there is less culture created about queer women than there is about queer men. And I was like, upset watching this i'm like this is this is this is this is after after happiest season this is what we get um you know partially because it, like you know it's kind of just the usual kind of femme for femme kind of bullshit um you know there's like one sort of like queer character in it who i believe uses they them pronouns um who presents a bit less femme um but otherwise it felt like almost every queer female character was just very femme um, you know, sort of just very classically pretty, which I mean, it's a film. I get that. Um, but yeah, I guess I just felt like the, I, did, I didn't feel like it was hitting super well. It was it was both trying. It was both kind of smug in how much representation it was cramming into a single film while also not doing any of the representation particularly well. Um, so I don't know. Um, it just bugged me and then at no point did it win me over. It's like, it just like it, I turned against it very quickly and every choice it made from that point to the end of the film, um, it made me dislike it more. Like literally the second the credits rolled, I said terrible out loud and turned it off, uh, and then went and rated one and a half stars in Letterboxd and put it at the absolute lowest rank of my ranked movies of 2022 list. So. Wow. um, Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst movie I've seen this year. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you know what movie it reminded me of? Um, hmm. And when I say do you know, because I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> 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 um, actually, maybe I do remember. Moxie? The uh, one with Amy uh, Poehler? Yes, yeah. Kind of reminded me of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's the sort of like over the top. Well, I would say Megan Mullally in this is uh, even more so over the top. I mean, a a thousand times over the top. Um, uh, Mother. Um, It kind of reminded me of that movie. 
Um, I don't remember. I'd love to, to go back and see what we thought of that. Um, I love that movie. <laughs> interesting. So yes, that you, one I enjoyed you're trending, you trend very high towards straight movies and very low <laughs> towards gay movies. So that's why <laughs> this is your pride special. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this is, this is a, let's do a queer little roundup, everyone. <laughs> hey, listen, power of the dog was my favorite movie last year. And that movie was gay as hell. <laughs> was it? Was it yes. a, like a gay villain? Yeah. Uh, let the self-loathing continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he dies. The twink gets him. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I meant by gay villain. But um, Yes, but we, have a, but we also have the queer twink hero who's out to protect his mama. <laughs> that's the ultimate gay archetype we can all get behind. <laughs> um... I uh, there were parts of this that were hard. Um, it did feel like feel like it was trying to. Um... So I question whether even, you know, just because we are um, queer, you know, that doesn't mean that we still may not bristle when we see things that are different than our experiences. Right. And and so I I. Although I have to, you know, I agree that like there's this reaction of like, there are how many queer people in this school? Um, but also, yeah, I mean, this isn't 1995 anymore. Um, people feel except more comfortable clothing. coming out, except in the clothing, yeah, except for the ringer tees. <laughs> um, uh, people feel comfortable in some places, um, not clearly not everywhere, but in some mm. places like coming out earlier and, and, and having more partners in high school, um, or there being more than just one queer person in your high school uh class so um this didn't bother me that much uh that's a good the only thing i remember bothering about you is how many queer people are in this movie um you said less <laughs> jobs for <laughs> queer yeah, actors like, yeah like what you said is there are too many queer diverse people i believe you said <laughs> Which I found very troubling. Mostly about women, I think, is what you <laughs> said. You didn't say there, there were too some... many queer movies, in, queer actors in Fire Island. But in this I one, be- you said. I believe there was some misgendering in what you said. I, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Um, but I, 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 there was a, the fact that it was so predominantly queer in, you know, a, in a, setting where it's like a high school where it's supposed to be, I don't know, or historically has been overrepresented in, uh, with heterosexuals. Um, I don't know. I find that kind of nice. I found it like very easy and, um, just like a nice reality that there were all these different love options for her and it wasn't about anybody coming out and it wasn't about like, it was, it was a teenage coming of age film where, you know, the, the, the class was predominantly queer, except for this one straight couple, which I found them very funny. Um, and I like that. It, it, mm. it, it seemed very easy. It's just a, it's just a silly, you know, miscommunication, um, love story, uh, coming of age film. And I thought that was cute. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I again, like, I, I, I didn't mind how many people were queer. I just, and I, if anything, I appreciate once, once they start to do the scene. Well, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie was whenever there is that kind of first roll call of all the different queer women um, <laughs> that, um, that like the dude friend wants her to consider, um, and then we run on the list, and, and I think, you know, again, but I didn't feel like they did a lot with that. Like, I didn't feel like. Like, oh, like, this is really well-observed. Like, oh, what great details in each of these characters. Like, it just kind of, like, was like, oh, one's a witch. And that was about all they can come up with. But that's and, like, how it one, is in, like, uh, ten things you know? or, like, the, the 90s high school films, right? Like, there's the stoner guy, and then there's, like, the witch girl. And they're, like, they're not queer. But, like, that's the same. I'm comparing it to, like, that sort of same kind of... Um, well, I mean, when you look at like, something like Mean Girls, like the cafeteria scene in that, like, gets a lot more specific as we unpack all these different clicks of the table and like the click breakdown and clueless um, when they unpack all those clicks, like those were much more to me detailed and observant, uh, whereas this was just kind of like, here's, you know, here's this girl, here's this girl, here's this girl, and mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just didn't feel like the writing was super strong. Sure, uh, no, I agree. I, I don't think, I don't think this is anywhere in the same level of mean girls and clueless i definitely don't think that's the case is this like a again easy to watch kind of funny uh coming of age movie yeah but yeah it's definitely not a clueless right right yeah yeah um i mean it's a it's a hulu movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so, yeah, it, it just kind of uh, I mean, I, I, again, like obviously I've seen, you know, a million of these and most of them I enjoy at least a little bit. But this one I did not enjoy even a little bit. Even Megan right. Mullally was like bugging the fuck out of me. Um, and I mean, if anyone wants to see a better film in which she gives a better performance as an overly supportive queer kids mom, as always, we would refer you to GBF. Um, but, you know, I actually I think in my on Letterboxd, I wrote I gave it one and a half stars and I said one half star for each Michelle Buteau scene. Uh, <laughs> she was really good. I mean, like she was actually funny every time she was on the screen. I'm like, oh, look, someone who can be funny. Like, thank you. <laughs> like, I appreciate this. Uh, you know, like even though obviously it's like a, you know, she's not on the screen for longer than like five minutes, if that. But yeah, I just like I just was craving that humor. And what I wonder if I want to give this movie the benefit of the doubt. I wonder if this is meant to be sort of like a queer response to all those Netflix movies, like um, mm-hmm. to all the boys I've loved before. Or yeah. You know, like, yeah, like I have not watched a single one of those Netflix movies, but I know that they are huge, huge, huge with the Zoomers and probably younger than Zoomers. Um, <laughs> so you haven't watched any of those. You watched this one. You didn't like it. You went right on Letterboxd and gave it a <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is not you actually connected to those movies. What? I don't need to watch those. They're not actually connected to this. They're not part of the same cinematic universe. It's not like, oh, you must you know, be a be a scholar of the Netflix YA oeuvre to understand Crush. Uh, I'm just saying, I wonder if that was like an intention of the filmmaker to be like, oh, we want to do like a queer response to those like very like swoony, candy colored, cheesy, corny Netflix YA movies, you know? Uh, that was just make a letterbox account just so I can comment on your review. (laughs) I'm doing it. (laughs) Old man yells at cloud. (laughs) I'm going to come and leave a comment on it. 
And I'm like, listen, Moxie reminded me of Foxfire, so that's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and it had the Linda Lindas in it. What do you mean all these gay people are okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you lost me. You lost me. Like, where's the self-loathing? Not a single person gets poisoned. Uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know about these kids. I am going to say consumer moderation. This is the kind of movie that you're like, you're not feeling well, you're home, you're on Netflix, you want to you watch something kind of sweet and silly. Crushes for you. And I'm going to say send it back. This movie is an abomination and an affront to all that I hold dear. <laughs> Pick your fighter. Crush is streaming <laughs> on Hulu and is rated TVMA. See you in six months, folks. <laughs> Which, if you play backwards, means the episode next month. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, yeah, subscribe because then it's like once in a while you'll get a fun little <laughs> notification about a thing you forgot you subscribed to. Surprise! <laughs> Jason is on Twitter at. Yeah, honestly, like I don't use Twitter. It's accessible. <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram. Same same handle. Excess baggage. You can follow him on Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook. <laughs> and all the other... Truth social. Yeah. <laughs> it's just truth social and grinder. The only apps he has on his phone anymore. And like the weather or something. Um, thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There There goes goes the the binge. binge.